Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that was up late last night doing karaoke and singing Creed. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And my voice is raspy, but my arms are wide open. Were you uh, participating? Was Travis Jankowski involved? Like, were there any Rangers people there? Was it Rangers media? Who was really promoting the the Creed sing-along in Phoenix last night? Uh, the guy you're on the Zoom with talking to right now. <laughs> okay. You were the, the the creed leader is what I'm hearing. Yes, I was the creed leader. Okay. So as Jake recovers from his karaoke, we will uh, move right into this Monday edition of Baseball Barbacast. Game three tonight, Max Scherzer, Brandon Fott. We are back at Chase Field. You are back at Chase Field anyway. I'm still in the same uh, seat that I've been all month. But Jake, I'm excited for this game. I will say that as far as postseason off days go, yesterday felt like one where I was I was itching to watch a World Series game and it wasn't there. Uh, I know with the travel day, it's it's a necessity. I totally understand that. I did watch a little bit of uh, Dominican Winter League. There were some good games last night, but it, it did feel a little empty. Uh, this series has me very excited with it being very uh, tied up. But as we left off with the game two recap, I was so excited for game three, and that did not happen yesterday. So I'm I'm, I'm itching. Let's let's get this game going tonight. They should make the players who are not on the rosters for both teams do live at bats on the off day, mm-hmm. so I can watch, you know, Bryce Jarvis right face. Wait, who are the yeah. Rangers guys that are definitely not playing? I feel like I've gotten to see a lot of the D-backs taxi squad. I've seen Sergio Alcantara. I've seen – I heard like Jorge Barosa. I mean, they're, they've really brought in like the whole 40-man seems to be involved in this in this D-backs taxi squad. Who are some Rangers guys that we have not thought about that are on the taxi squad that you've seen around? Well, I don't know if they're on the taxi squad, but Ian Kennedy is incredibly around. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Is he – what has he pitched – now, later on in this show, we have a great email about, you know, who's going to get a ring. We've made all the jokes about Madison Bumgarner. But, you know, if we are just keeping it really loose of guys that have appeared for either of these teams this year, there are definitely some players that we should talk about. But we'll save that for later on. But Ian Kennedy's a good one. I have seen him in the dugout during games. Ezekiel Duran is obviously around. And then Brad Miller. Oh, who was on yes. The 60 yes, day. Bra- I, okay. Brad Miller. Yeah. Yeah. 67 plate appearances. All right. So good for Brad Miller. Brad Miller versus Bryce Jarvis on the off day at Chase Field. Live at bats. Stream it live on MLB Network 2 plus whatever. Just give me something to nibble on because I you're would, right. I would love it. And you can pipe in the crowd noise, right? We still have that audio uh, from the COVID season. Like, make it happen. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, all right, Jake. On this episode of Baseball Overcast, we are going to, you know, just kind of bounce around some some thoughts we have going in uh, to Game 3, some things that we've learned since our Game 2 recap, uh, many of them Tommy Pham related. Uh, and then we're just going to kind of go through some of the things we learned during the off-day press conferences uh, because th- those are, while, you know, you you 
often if you're on Twitter, you only see a fraction of them. But there's a lot of interactions that goes on during these. And if you know, have access to the full transcripts, there's some interesting things that goes on there. So, And then we're going to hit you with a couple uh, emails. Again, you can email us at baseballbarbcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll read some of those and then we will leave so that we can go focus on getting ready for game three. But Jake, where would you like to begin uh, this episode? What would you like to, what, what are you thinking about uh, as this game approaches? I'm thinking about Tommy Pham, knowing that he's a dump truck. Mm, yeah, that's Mike Maddox made that clear to everybody. So you want to remind everyone what you're talking about? For those of you who missed it, uh, Tommy Pham picked off second base in the fifth or sixth inning. Sorry, it's been a long, long couple of days. Uh, and by a mile, not even close, just totally nailed. And as he's sliding back into second base, they tag him out. The camera cuts to the dugout where pitching coach Mike Maddox of the Texas Rangers says, at a boy, which is apparently what we everyone loves saying now, at a boy, you dumb fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, we bantered about whether or not Fam knew about this. It appeared that he did not. And it now appears that he does as he responded to a tweet about it on X, Twitter, whatever the heck. Just like the little emoji of a pen on paper. <laughs> But Tommy Pham is aware. Tommy Pham been taking notes for a long time, which is, I think, what this emoji uh, is uh, is making clear. Now, I don't know what that, you know, again, this is within a game where he went four for four and was clearly one of the heroes of the game. It's not like there's any sort of additional revenge that needs to happen. But I'm, I'm curious about this because let, let's talk about the, the Pham response here, which is the, the taking notes. How does Tommy Pham plan to get back at Mike Maddox for this comment? Because, okay, oh, he's going to slap him. Okay, yeah, all right. We, we can move on from that. Well, how, how is, can Tommy Pham realistically get back at him? I think the obvious one is um, Mike Maddox goes visits. out for a mound force, visit. You know, he just has to force a lot of mound visits by hitting home runs. Okay, well, oh, forcing mound visits or mound visit before Tommy Pham is batting Tommy Pham homers, Tommy Pham, <laughs> Tommy Pham as he's crossing home plate looks back towards the Rangers dugout and goes, "You dumb fuck." <laughs> that would be, I think, the perfect sequence. But is there any other scenario you could come up with? <laughs> Staring him down is is good. Um, the other thing with these two, like they're both from Vegas, so it seems oh, yeah, that they true. do know each other. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of relationship there prior. Um, you think I so? thought fa- I do. I whether it's good or bad, like baseball people who live in the same city mm-hmm. in the big leagues tend to have been around one another at some <laughs> point. And he played for the mm-hmm. Cardinals when Maddox was the pitching coach, I believe. So there is some sort of link here. Mm-hmm. Um, I a Tommy Fam home run and staring down Mike Maddox. It's basically the Harper RC thing all over again, Jordan. Yeah, I will say, though, it, it was a great reminder of not that we need to go back to the Arzia thing, but truly, like, when players mess up, you know, the Arzia thing was in a clubhouse with media, but, like, players in the dugout and apparently coaches, too, when the other team fucks up, this is happening all the time. Now, we don't always get it in perfect slow motion because, as with the Arcia thing, when it's the World Series, there are more cameras on more people during the game as well. But for the most part, in regular season games between the Royals and White Sox, if someone fucks up, most of the dugout is laughing and saying, you dumb fuck too. That happens all the time. But in this case, it's a little bit different. And that is why we get the slow-mo shot uh, of Mike Maddox, which is quite entertaining. Uh, But also, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess they they would have been uh, with the Cardinals at the same time, which is kind of interesting. It's important to really separate, um, you know, Tommy Pham's actions from Tommy Pham the person you know mm-hmm. if if Mike Maddox had said that's a dumb fuck move mm-hmm. I'm sure Tommy Pham would have said yes but it's <laughs> yes. the ad hominem attack on yes. Tommy Pham that I'm sure he will keep in his ledger for future purposes I agree I agree now the other thing we learned about Tommy Pham since we last spoke is that it was his idea to pinch hit Jace Peterson late in the game he apparently went to manager Tori Lovello and said hey you need to get my boy an AB in the World Series. Now, this brings up a whole other thing. This is just like, 
Tommy Pham and Jace Peterson, who've been teammates for two months, unless I'm forgetting about another time they were teammates. Uh, they're boys, and that's Tommy Pham being an all-time teammate. But it is an amazing thing. He's like, you know what? No, I don't need a fifth hit. Now, apparently, Tori Lavella was like, he was like, listen, dude, like we need to be up by a certain amount of runs, uh, which they clearly were, so it worked out. But this is really, I mean, is, as cliche as it is, and everyone's going to be like, wow, you know, amazing moment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but no, I mean, it's truly an, an incredibly, not even just self, selfless, but just a unique situation to have in any game, let alone a World Series game, where you're up by enough where Tommy Pham's like, hey, hey, uh, Jace Peterson's going to hit for me. Tommy Pham creating a make-a-wish moment for his buddy. It's very sweet. <laughs> Will Jace Peterson hit again in this World Series? That's that's the other way he's, that's honestly the other way I'm taking it, is Tommy Pham's like, I don't think Jace Peterson's getting in this game, in, in this series otherwise, so let me do him a solid and have him go pitch for uh, pinch hit for me while we're up by eight. Totally fair. Uh, you know, and Jace Peterson is another another guy who's been around a long time, uh, not quite as long as Tommy Pham, but someone that I'm sure uh, appreciated that. Both of those guys have been on like seven teams, yeah. Um, and I'm sure for him it was it was cool. Jace Peterson, gee whiz, thanks Tommy, <laughs> thanks Tommy, Pham. appreciated Tommy Pham. That's yeah. so sweet of you. The question is, can he do this for Jose Herrera too? Again, no, a little bit because, more complicated for the catcher. Yeah, but, you can't do that with the catcher. Yeah, I don't know. What's what's the Rangers equivalent of this? Is I guess maybe the real question. We, we already, already saw, saw it. Hedges it was Austin hit. Hedges. Yeah. <laughs> we already saw Hedges. So I don't know what the what the other version of it is, right? I guess it's like Semyon being like, Hey, um I guess Robbie guy- Grossman, right? But we saw Robbie Grossman briefly in this last yeah. game and he struck out. So we're probably done with Robbie Grossman. Yeah, there's no uh charity case situation. Appears on the Rangers roster. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know uh, uh, Jace Peterson was on the active roster because he was not on the active roster last round. Yes. And so I just when I saw him coming up to pinch hit, that was when I knew he was on the roster. <laughs> so so they Lavello had a quote going into the series where it was like he was like, yeah, during the NLCS, I kept you know looking down and I, I felt like I was a hitter short. And so apparently that hitter was Jace Peterson, and apparently this was the only time that they were going to use it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there will be a closer game that goes longer. Again, we we just saw an extra innings game in game one. Like maybe it's possible. Uh, but I, I, I they they put him on for uh, for Chaconi, I believe. Um, so yeah, so maybe it would be a, a Jankowski situation. Would be that where happens, we could see. That yeah. happens to me all the time, Jordan. I'll just be rolling around life, and I'll just mm-hmm. I, you know I just I feel I'm a hitter, feel a little hitter short, and I need Jace Peterson. To step up in my life. Rob Manfred's like, oh, great. So we can do a, a smaller pitcher limit. Like we we need more hitters, not more pitchers. You, he's like, you admit it. <laughs> you admit it. You admit well, it, Tori Lavella. You have too many pitchers. The Diamondbacks are modern baseball, Jordan. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Run and gun. If the, if the di- Think about it this way. If the Diamond, This is Rob Manfred's argument. If the Diamondbacks in that series felt like he had too many pitchers, Mm. then everybody has too many pitchers. You know? Like, that should be the conclusion there. That, like, actually, no, you don't need this many. Have Jace Peterson on your roster so that we can have this heartfelt moment. Anyway, really cute. That's, <laughs> that's the Tommy Fam update. What's another thing uh, you were you thinking about uh, ahead of Game 3? I just want to talk about Corbin Carroll for a mm-hmm. second. What have your impressions been of Corbin Carroll in the spotlight? Because he is both the best player on the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. and a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is both of those things. He has not like shined in the spotlight this October. He has not turtled either. He has been perfectly fine. How have your opinions and the way you think about Corbin Carroll changed at all? in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean I think with with what he did in game 7 was that qualifies as as shining in the spotlight and we've seen him kind of deliver some big hits. I know they ended up losing game 1, but you know that triple was a real moment. The thing I've been thinking about with him is more big picture the way that we've talked about, you know, Adley Rutschman, right? And thinking about the way that these rookies can kind of not just be good individually immediately, but kind of instill a sense for the entire team where it's like yeah, what's what's the problem? Like, I we have Corbin Carroll, 
you know, with Corbin Carroll, anything is possible. <laughs> Basically, is kind of the sense that I'm getting. Even if he's not, it's a little bit different. He's playing right field. He's not catcher. When we talk about Adley, you know, he can control so many parts of the game as the catcher. But I still feel like that same level of confidence that Carroll has brought because he is capable of so much in so many different ways that the, the rest of the team, including so many of the other young guys, are just like, yeah, screw it. Why not? Why can't we win? We have Corbin Carroll. It's like the food's here. Let's eat. I, I don't know. Carroll is the food. It's and same thing with Adley, right? It's like, oh, you lost a billion games before I was here. Like that means nothing to me. Like I'm right. here, and so we're gonna win now. Now I know they haven't won to the same degree as the Orioles with Adley, but it's still the same sense once they've gotten into the postseason, where he, as you've referred to with Adley, he legitimizes the whole operation. I think yeah. it's the good way. We talk about that sometime with free agency. We've talked about it with the Rangers. You know, when they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon, legitimizing their efforts to win. I think Corbin Carroll has done that uh, by himself too. I've really appreciated him more as a physical thing. It is one of the most unique athletes we've had in baseball. Mm -hmm. He is very short and very compact. I guess the way I would describe him physically is dense. Mm. <laughs> like he is so freaking ripped. Like he's cut and it is all very like condensed. Like he's yeah. just... There's no bonus Corbin Carroll. <laughs> it is it, it is interesting comparing because he's what is he, is he listed at five ten or five eleven? Five ten. Five ten. So he's listed at one sixty five, which that feels you trust the height, very rarely trust the weight. Now now you can't really get away with with lying about your height anymore. Um, but in general, uh, that's one that where when when we think about short players. There is a huge difference between 5'10 and 5'7, but he looks short. Like, he looks short for a major leaguer. And so, how would you compare his body type compared to, like, obviously Altuve is, is as small as it gets, but even like a Mookie? You know, Mookie, I think, is listed at 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, and, like, it's different. It's something about the way that he swings and his stance and the lefty versus righty. But all the small players in baseball kind of bring a slightly different physique, it feels like. Mookie is so much more quick twitch than Corbin. Mm, interesting. Um, Corbin is a 6'4 slugger in a 5'9 guy's body. Mm, you know I what see. I mean? Yeah. And I think when we talk about how does this guy generate so much power, I felt that too. And then I was standing next to him and it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is, <laughs> this guy's yoked. <laughs> like it's not that complicated. Corbin Carroll also runs very funny. Yes. He's very fast, obviously. But there's something about his strides that are not as like, I don't know. There's some, I got so used to watching Ellie De La Cruz all year. And because he had obviously had these huge strides, but was also yeah. so coordinated. It was just like the most graceful athletic feat you could fathom. Whereas Carroll, it's like almost like smaller strides. And it like looks like sped up, but it also looks kind of goofy, almost like cartoonish. The way that yeah. he's moving around the bases. He's like Roadrunner. Obviously, he's like, flying, but... Yeah, right. <laughs> it feels like it needs to come with sound effects in a way that some of the other fastest players do not look. Speaking of walking or running okay. differently, now is the time to talk about Bruce Bochy mm -hmm. and his gait. Yeah. You texted me this. Why does Bruce Bochy walk like that? Um, it has been a topic of discussion in the press box many times. I asked some Texas Rangers people yesterday. So Bochy got a number of lower body surgeries during uh, his time away from the game. But it has left him with a real hobble, a very unique walk. And we were debating this last night. Why does he have to walk out there to make the pitching changes? He's clearly uncomfortable. He's clearly in pain. Clearly not walking well. Why can't we just send somebody else out there to make the pitching changes or can he just do them from the dugout? Why are we sending the manager out there at all? So this is great because while we could talk for 10 minutes about Bruce Bochy's gate, like I do think the concept of who has to make the pitching change is an interesting one when you see it at different levels of baseball. You know this, or maybe some people don't know this, but in college baseball, there are some managers that are never the ones that make the pitching changes. Some, some programs, it is always the pitching coach. Right now, what what comes with that? I think what we have in Major League Baseball is then you think about the opposite, which is how often does the 
manager come out and not make a pitching change, right? That's when in the big leagues you feel like, oh shit, like something really weird is going down or, or we're really, you know, planning the defense or all kinds of different things like that. But to your first question, why does it have to be him? I don't think it does, right? I don't think there's a rule. Now you do have to signal. That's the one thing that has to happen. And I think what you're asking is, can he point from his the comfort of his seat? And I feel like probably, but I, I don't know. It feels like we have to look in the rule book. He just has to walk over the line. He doesn't mm. need to walk all the way. He just walks over the over the baseline, points, turns around. They handle it themselves. Yeah. Um, making a pitching change as a youth baseball coach is really one of the most powerful feelings you can have. Yes. In the world, in the entire world. If you've never done it, I recommend it. Go coach a Little League team just so you can feel that much power. So you can pull someone. Pointing. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the experience of pointing to your first baseman or your left just- fielder. <laughs> Is a little bit different than pointing to the bullpen and signaling for a reliever to come in, because um, then what you have usually like you have to be like, all right, so you come to pitch, uh, you go to first, you're gonna move to third. I need the catcher to change. Like you're just doing so much other stuff. Um, but then you know, doing a mound visit to talk to your pitcher is always great. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever? You've never had to do a like a mound visit, right? I guess not. I'm trying to think no. if when we were at camp. You were coaching if, no. during games. Yeah. yeah, but not really. Yeah. So what I've learned is mound visits. Most of the time when you do a mound visit as a pitching coach or a coach, you're just giving your pitcher an aerobic break. That right. is it. You are giving them a, a breather. And so you could walk out there and you just talk about nothing for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. especially for my kids when they're 10. Right. It's like they are exhausted all the time. And they don't even have sports. a pitch clock. They don't even have a pitch clock. They sh- they don't need one because they're going, baby. Because <laughs> they're, they're going right away. They're zooming but along. Yeah. I think back to a moment I had when I was 13 where I was catching a travel ball game and our pitcher, Sam Appleby, wasn't throwing strikes. And our coach out, came Sam. out. Shout out, Sam. Our coach came out. Um, He was this, this Dominican fellow. And we get to the mound and he just goes, throw strikes. And Sam's like, what? He's like, just throw strikes. And he turned around and went back to the dugout. And I was like, nice. <laughs> I've seen, I remember uh, when I was attending, you know, D3 games at my school, the, the legendary head coach at the College of Worcester, he would sometimes go out there and not even say anything. He would basically just like do a lap around the mound of intimidation. He's like, look, you know what I'm going to say, which is throw fucking strikes and, you know, get your head out of your ass. Like, I'm just coming out here. I'm going to circle you and make you think about what you've done and you can figure it out on your own. <laughs> One more story that has nothing to do with the World Series. I, <laughs> when I was pitching in college, myself and another sidearming righty were mm-hmm. warming up. Mm-hmm. He was warming up in front of me and the our manager, our coach signaled to the bullpen for the sidearmer and... I jogged out, right? And he oops. really, oops. And I got out there and he was like, are you ready to go? And I said, no. And I walked <laughs> the first batter on four pitches and then he put in the other guy. Wait, but I thought that was because he brought in the wrong one. Or yeah. I thought it was because he wanted the other guy originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I was, I was ready, baby. Not really. <laughs> but he was too um, embarrassed to like pull you before yes. you even got. Th- I understand. Okay. Correct. Uh, two more topics before we take a quick break. Mm-hmm. One is Evan Carter playing in Chase Field. How do you feel about that? Evan Carter, who never swings outside the strike zone, <laughs> the man who doesn't chase at Chase. Ooh, interesting. I, 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 wow. I, I, I haven't thought about it in that context. I do know that this will be his, or at least I'm almost. Conf- positive this will be his Chase Field debut. This is also a place where they had many a high school showcases that Evan Carter was not invited to because he was not a famous high school player. Um, so yeah, this is good. This is good. Does this now? I guess the question is: Does this make him more likely to chase or less no. likely to chase? No, less likely because when you're at the plate and you look up at the pitcher, it mm-hmm. says Chase Field right there, and that mm-hmm. for him is a reminder not to chase. The real joke is. Every stadium Nick Castellanos plays in is a chase field. <laughs> well, but but again, he will. So he won't chase, but he will field. To be clear, 
Won't chase Will Field. Yeah. Okay, because he can't do yeah. like it's fine if he if he doesn't chase great, but he still has to field. Has to. That's going to be important. It's not don't chase. Yes, do field. That's not what it's called. I saw someone tweet this. I wish I could give credit, but I legitimately don't remember that Evan Carter is bordering on Kenneth Parcells territory from 30 Rock. Okay. The, okay. The country yeah. pumpkin character from 30 Rock. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Where Evan Carter is just like so down home country cooking. Oh, I and know. so wide eyed. Yeah. It is Although, very The funny. thing is like, it's still endearing because he sometimes when you have, generational talent baseball players really young whatever like they're so they get to that point and they're are not jaded but like evan carter it's still endearing because he is clearly having so much fun like he is very wide-eyed like oh my god i can't believe i'm here but as long as he maintains that i i don't i don't yeah. mind it because otherwise Cor- like if he gets to that point and he's like yeah of course i'm in the world series like that that's hard to really get behind corbin carroll is at work <laughs> yes if that makes yes. sense yeah evan carter the way he's moving through the World Series reminds me of taking a first-time New Yorker to Times Square, where they're so wide-eyed and awestruck by the moment in a way that's unspoken that is incredibly endearing to be around. And he's good enough to get away with it. I mean, he's batting third, and he's having, he's crushed some balls, right? But it's amazing to watch him, not even just against left-handers, where he looks somewhat hopeless, but even when he strikes out against righties and he sees a pitch, because again, he's played 50 major league games, if that, right? Like every game he's seeing something that he's never seen before, let alone batting third in the World Series as a 21-year-old. Like everything about it is so ridiculous. He's good enough to get away with it and to have it worth it to, for him to be batting third. But then there's moments when he strikes out on a on a slider he's never seen before and he's just, he like looks up and he's like, oh my God, where am I? <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, crazy. You're in the Whereas, World Series. Yo- Johan Rojas with the Phillies, who is trying to learn how to hit baseballs in the biggest moments of his career. Carter does not look as overmatched, except mm-hmm. for when he's facing lefties. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's like a Do- Doogie Hauser type thing. Mm-hmm. Look at this, look at this child phenom. But but also, again, that's the thing. Like Rojas was under qual he was not qualified to begin with to be hitting like evan carter has earned the opportunity they're not putting him in there to bat third as a prank like yeah. he's one of their best hitters but sometimes it's like oh yeah no he's 21 that's okay it happens what a prank uh speaking of pranks christian walker is pulling quite an elaborate p- prank on us all by yeah. stinking yeah up i a storm he you know i think i'm sure it's been mentioned but like because they won, it was probably a situation where people were more comfortable to go be like, hey, dude, like, hopefully you're in a better mood right now. Like, what the fuck? Why can't you hit it all? And he's like, yeah, like, I'm, I feel terrible. Like, I just, like, I don't care about my stats. I just want to be more helpful to my team. And all that is true. Uh, he did finally get a hit at the end of game two. But yeah, I mean, he is, he has been a, a nothing in, in, in the four spot. And it's one of those questions where it's like, look, Lavelle has been consistent, but also willing to make changes. Walker has been such a, a constant for them over the last few seasons. I would still be surprised if they change it. It would not anything dramatic, you know, moving fam to four, Guriel, whatever. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's, it ain't looking good. It really ain't looking good. So he had a big game in uh, game one against the Brewers where he had three hits. Since then, he is five for 44 in yeah. 57 plate appearances, 44 at-bats. So he is still Christian walking. That's true. But the power is gone. It's just one homer, two doubles. He is a, he is a slash line of 114, 298, 227. Yeah. Hitting fourth. Yeah. So that's uh... – now, again, we've seen, we saw it last year, right? The Astros won the World Series with Altuve going one for 40 or whatever as the leadoff spot. Like, there's, it's a small enough sample size with everything involved that you can get away with it. However, like, it is every time he comes up, I just do not have confidence. And if that changes at some point, then the Diamondbacks are going to be in a much, a much better uh, position. So, uh, Christian Walker, we could, but hey, if his defense can just be that good, we won't think about it too much. Yep. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we'll scroll through the transcripts from some of yesterday's off-day press conferences and laugh at a couple of things players and managers said. 
We'll read one or two of your emails, and then we will bid you at the end. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. All of the press conferences in the playoffs are transcribed. There is a service that does it. The transcriptions, the text, they're sent. It's all sent to members of the media. So I have in front of me the words from yesterday. And boy, oh boy, baseball people say the darndest things. (laughs) I mean, it's just great because when you're in a press conference... And the questions are happening around you. Sometimes they kind of stand out as unusual. And other times you're just like, yeah, I'm in a press conference. But oftentimes when I read these back during the playoffs, I'm like, wow, what a funny sport we have. And especially when in the World Series, you admittedly have some media there that are not normally there. And thus you are more likely to have some strange some strange questions. Um, or, <laughs> for example, sometimes the person transcribing this doesn't even, can't even tell. So you have a situation where, like I'm looking at the branded font transcript and there's just one chunk where it says was, and then it says indiscernible the first time. (laughs) So it's was blank the first time. And I don't know what the question was. So it's just funny to try and figure that out. But then you have other funny questions here, like uh, where is home? Where is home? Uh, that was after asking him basically where were you uh, last year uh, in Reno um, after your season ended. They're like, what, what were you doing back home? And then and then the question, where is home? I love that. Where I is home? There, I, there's no who, other way to find it. So you might as who well. Who are him. you? Who are you? What is your deal? My uh, favorite thing from the Brandon Fott presser, and this is a, a turn of phrase I've never heard before and might be incorrect. Uh, he was asking about the crowd. At home, the home crowd, people love a home crowd. I think it's huge to come back and have our fans behind our back. Do you have, doesn't that sound like conniving to have the fans behind your back? (laughs) Behind our back. If he had just said behind us, you wouldn't have. Or have our back. Have our back. Interesting. So have our back makes it sound like they are defending against the people who are behind your back. You know what, you know what I mean? Like. The people who are coming to get you, your fans will protect you from that. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I like there was a, there was a, a thing in here with Brandon Fott about how he doesn't like other sports. Yeah. Um, this was interesting. <laughs> I also love... Read that. Read this, it. Read it. Read it. Okay. Um, I don't... So I don't know when this... When did this come up? Does he say where... He, oh, here, here we go. Here. So he uh, gets asked, well, when last season ends in Reno, do you watch the playoffs in the World Series? Where were you back home at? Brandon Fott says... Honestly, I don't really even watch sports, to be honest. I think I watched one World Series game last year. I was definitely back at home. That was after the AAA championship. That's when he is asked, where is home? He says, Louisville, Kentucky. And then Um, there's a follow-up from some intrepid member of the media. A pitching question. Most athletes do like other sports. You like getting away from it. How come you don't like other sports? Which, that's a bad question. I think that's like saying, why don't you like green beans or... You know, they you don't like them. That's it. Fott responds, I don't really have an answer for that. I love sports. I love all sports. <laughs> this is my first year of fantasy football. So I just started watching football. I kind of like it. What a, what a backtracking from Brandon Fott here because he was pressed on it by the, 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 the rabid media who's trying yeah. to paint him as some sports hater. And he's back yeah, into a corner and Brand Fott says, no, no, I love sports. I love all sports. <laughs> I love him saying this is my first year of fantasy football. So I just started watching football. This man was peer pressured into some sort of like fantasy league by some teammates. The idea that his first year of playing fantasy football in his life coming, it comes at age 25 
is remarkable and tells me that he doesn't actually like sports because clearly not most dude bros have been roped into a fantasy football league at some point in their lives yeah here's another thing i want to go back to his first answer because remember the question was do you go like basically before you were in all the situation did you watch the playoffs And did you watch the World Series? And his answer was, I don't really even watch sports, to be honest. Not, I don't even watch baseball. I don't watch uh, sports, which is amazing because we we do. Actually, I've seen this, the answer a million times where players get asked, oh, your season ends. Do you watch the playoffs? Do you watch other teams? And a lot of them say, no, I sit on my ass. I hang out with my family. I watch, I play golf. I watch, you know, football or UFC or whatever, right? No, I don't watch baseball. I've heard Yellow that a Stone. Times. I'm watching Yellowstone reruns. Exactly. Great. But for him to respond to, did you watch last year's World Series to I don't watch sports is and then to then backtrack and say, no, 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 I love sports. I love sports. I love sports. I'm sorry. I love sports. Maybe, maybe after he throws a no-no tonight, I'll go up to him and be like, I like I, let's set the record straight about your sports liking. Brandon Font is the opposite of of the Lonely Island song. We don't like sports, and we and don't we care. care. <laughs> no, and we care who knows. Why? Because he's saying, no, no, I, I do love sports. Sorry, yeah, he ca- he cares who knows that he doesn't like sports. He outed himself. <laughs> Any other things from the FOT presser? Do you want to move on I mean, to... Uh, again, like, to the point about, oh, where's home? Like, a lot of these situations, like, this is where people are like, who, hey, who, who? Who's man? Like, tell me, tell me about yourself, Brandon. Um, now, whereas Max Scherzer, you have the opposite situation because everybody knows Max Scherzer. And so there's a billion different things that people can ask Max Scherzer about, including in this case, hey, you were on the Diamondbacks once. You remember that? There was a point where someone asked him, like, what do you remember about being traded? What were the emotions? I love this answer for Max. I don't think we need to get into emotions of something that happened 15 years ago. Hell yeah. Shove that stuff down, baby. He's like, well, because for Scherzer, he's like, you think I'm still thinking about that shit? Like, think about all the things. Think about all the teams. I've ch- I've changed teams. I've like all these different things that have happened to me. The trade from Arizona is not ranking very highly in my in my brain at this point. Question. How do you look back on your time playing at Arizona? Answer. This is where I debuted and broke into the league. Yo, so true. Very <laughs> so true. You nailed it. Oh, now, as far it. as actual insight goes i got i have one thing from the scherzer presser please go ahead then i'll do actual insight yeah okay so he here's the question you mentioned two starts you have left under your belt and then the second question is about the chemistry of the room you guys have created and what what that's like here we go as for our clubhouse we've got a great clubhouse going guys just come together playing at the right time good personalities all fitting together at the right time so that's what it takes to win baseball sometimes it's not the kind of nerd data that's out there. It's how everybody plays as a human. Jordan, what do you think he means by the nerd data? I just, again, it's like I do love when, you know, players go out of their way, you know, to be like, actually, all those numbers you spend time trying to figure out are meaningless. <laughs> it is about how much we enjoy playing cards together before the game. You it is a level of machismo insecurity that professional baseball players have that is so funny. It's like, yo, ju- like just so you know, like we freaking yeah. hate numbers, dude. <laughs> like, I know you I, think you get this more than we do, but it's because we're friends, all right? Yeah, like why are we in the World Series? Because we're buds, because we're buddies. <laughs> It's like all those other teams, the Phillies, the <laughs> Phillies are eliminated. That's like, that was their whole thing. Okay. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to hear that. It's about us. Okay. We're, we're the most friends. Every okay? team has a special clubhouse. Okay. Every, oh, here's a great press conference thing. Drink every time someone says good group of guys. Oh man. Can we have great a great group? Can we just come up with a different, not even great group. Like, I don't know, like a, passionate group of guys like I, something a swell gaggle of dudes <laughs> can we can we please like if if you want to get the point across that you all like each other i i can't say, say i'm not gonna stop you but we gotta like I, that's another good example of 
Um, I don't know if you saw uh, the the new Pablo Torre podcast where he, you know, Pablo Torre, you know, finds out where he did a whole thing trying to find out the origin of Let's Go. Yeah, I would like to find the first. Great we've group got a guys. great group of guys. Yeah, and <laughs> that what sport did it originate yeah. in? Because in theory, like I, I would like to know that. I would like to know that. This is an amazing answer to a question. How's the clubhouse? It's not nerdy. Like we are not dorks concerned with biomechanics and warp and ex-woba. We are rich dudes who play cards and gamble with one another and spend too much money on fantasy football. Okay, we are not I, like putting up a every my I am not a nerd t-shirt. Has people asking a question whether or not I'm a nerd, Jordan? Uh, the last bit uh, from Max Scherzer that is actually somewhat valuable information is basically that he says, because he's again comes back from the shoulder injury, has some sort of finger issue in his last start that nobody really knew or cared about because it didn't end up mattering because the Rangers scored a million runs and Jordan Montgomery came in relief. Um Question. Now that you had a couple postseason starts, can you give a percentage of how you're feeling? And then I love that Scherzer says, in terms of what? <laughs> so, like how, this is an example where good reporting, how are you? That is, a, are you okay? Are you healthy? A percentage in terms of what, bro? He's you're like, in terms of like series. my phone battery? Like, what percentage are you looking for? Anyway. Hundo P. The response from whoever asked it, in I guess one hundred percent since you came back. I don't. That's not really an answer, but Scherzer seems to figure it out at this point. Then Max Scherzer says, "I can throw a fastball one hundred percent. Like it's how many pitches I can make in a start. That's the number we don't have nailed down to one hundred percent. I don't know what my finishing pitch count number is actually going to be. I'm still trying to build back up in that regard. In terms of throwing one hundred percent effort on a pitch, yeah, I can do that. So I do think that that is at least some level." of insight for for those wondering his first two starts back uh in the postseason he threw 63 pitches against houston 44 pitches against houston again so i that's the thing and as we preview this game what are we expecting from him it it can't be that many pitches even if whether he's good or he's bad and so that is certainly going to be something to watch tonight how do they bridge it from him to uh, to whoever else in, in the late innings, I think will be interesting. So anyway, um, I enjoy those press, press, uh, press conference uh, briefings, as, as we'll call them. I have one more quick one from Tori Lavello's press conference. Yep. He was asked about Christian Walker's defense at first base. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, his glove is made of gold, right? And he's going to be strongly considered for another one this year. But that came with a price. There's a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and some freckles that he's left on the field to prep for those moments. Freckles? blood. I've heard blood, sweat, and tears more times than I can count. But he said he left some blood, sweat, tears, and freckles on the field. I've never heard this before. Is the implication that he was just grinding so hard that the freckles fell off of his face? Or like, you know, sometimes people have freckles kind of pop up when they're out in the sun for a really long time. And so maybe it's like, now he has freckles because of how often he's been standing outside there cooking while he's working on his first base defense. Plays in this is dome. so weird. You have to ask. How he, is there no follow up to this? He plays it with a you know under a roof. <laughs> the sun's not too. hitting him. Also, the can we let's harp on the blood, sweat, and tears thing for a second? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. when people say that, like in football, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know. What is the biggest, this is a kind of a fucked up conversation, but that's what this podcast is going to be today. When blood, I know there's tears, maybe, right? Sweat makes sense. What is the biggest sweat? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, hopefully. But but blood, when is, where is blood, like when you're, I I think sometimes like if you're batting without batting gloves of taking 5 million swings, your hands get, might get a little bleed. But like for first base defense, Where's the blood? I guess diving and scraping your elbow. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Yeah, diving, scraping your elbow, getting a little raspberry, you know, <laughs> okay. jamming a finger. Here is okay. a take on blood, sweat, and tears. When you're talking about first base defense, the likeliest of those three liquids is sweat by a mile. Second think- is blood, and third is tears. If you yeah. are crying, 
if you are weeping over improving your footwork around the bag, like, look, I have been a proponent for men crying, crying more yep. in baseball. There yep. should be crying in baseball. <laughs> yep. Yeah. However, when that comes to improving first base defense, yeah. I'm going sweat, blood, tears in that order. I agree. I do think that sweat is just so far ahead of blood and tears. Not even close. In whenever this phrase is used, it's like so far ahead that it's like the fact that it's even listed second is always kind of goofy to me. The only baseball moment that truly warranted blood, sweat, and tears was when Trevor Bauer cut his finger with a drone, Mm. went out onto the mound in the ALCS, bled everywhere, sucked mm-hmm. and then caused guardians fans to cry. That's a good one. I was going to say Matt holiday face planning uh, on the slide. Um, Cause that's one where we definitely had blood and then probably again, tears on, on the other side, sweat, you know, around it. But that's it. I like that one. That's good. Uh, that's the only, uh, <laughs> that's that. I will accept that. I, will accept, I still think sweat needs to be listed first. I guess that's my main takeaway. There were a lot of, a lot of sweat, sweat and sweat left out there. Um, let's do one email, uh, before we say goodbye, Jake, this email is from Eric. You can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. Eric says, hi, Jake and Jordan. One of my favorite aspects of the world series is championship rings going to players who weren't on the postseason roster. In some cases, this means players who contributed in small ways during the regular season, but it can also mean players who actively hurt the winning team's chances before they were dealt or sent down. Obviously, Mad Bum getting his fourth ring if the Diamondbacks win is hilarious, but I'm wondering if there are any others you'd be excited about. As a Mariners fan, I'd be thrilled for Kyle Lewis and Josh Rojas to get their rings, but if the Rangers win, I'd also be thinking about someone like Cole Reagans. Just curious if there are any names that come to mind for you two and why. Love the pod, Eric. Now, this is obviously something... Very easy top podcast topic. You look up, oh, who was on this team that we don't forget? But it, it never gets old, truly. And 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 every and I think about too, like as he's sort of alluding to, like the emotions of these players getting these rings potentially. I know it's slightly different in every organization. Sometimes it is if you have literally received one plate appearance or thrown one pitch, you will get a ring. Others, I think it's different. But either way, let's let's go under the premise that anyone who participated will get a ring. Mad bum, Madison Bumgarner. We do just need to really revisit. Four starts, 16 innings, 19 runs, 10 to 6 ERA. He was horrible. He was abysmal. He lost them four starts and then he was gone. I am curious if he has watched any of this Diamondbacks run. I'm curious if he's communicating with anybody on the team. I am curious if he will get a ring if they win. Because the only reporting we've gotten is that he's communicated with Bochi, not with, not with, not with the D-backs. So, I mean, I would imagine he was friends with some of the Diamondbacks pitchers. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got along great with with Merrill Kelly, you know, and and Zach Allen and, and stuff like that, right? Um, maybe Kevin Ginkle, you know. But I, again, are we commute? Are we staying in touch? Ah, Tough to say. D-backs, I am laughing about getting a ring. Buddy Kennedy. Who is Buddy Kennedy? Buddy Kennedy is notable because he was drafted in the fifth round out of Millville Senior High School. Mike Trout went to Millville. Mike Trout were number one. And every year he returns to Millville High School to pass out the number one jersey to the captain of the Millville Mills. The Thunderbolts. I believe the Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts. He gives out the number one jersey. And one year, it was to Buddy Kennedy. And Buddy Kennedy became a big leaguer. And the idea that Buddy Kennedy will get a ring before (laughs) Mike Trout, like since Mike Trout played a playoff game, okay? Mike Trout last played a playoff game in 2014 when Buddy Kennedy was a sophomore Mm -hmm. in high school. Okay? And since then, Buddy Kennedy has grown up, been drafted in the fifth round, developed by the Diamondbacks, made the big leagues, and I believe is now on a different team. He has been, in the last two months, claimed off waivers by Oakland, and then, like, yesterday was claimed off waivers by the Cardinals. Like, this, he was just on MLB Trade Rumors, like, two days ago. So, Buddy Kennedy, and the other weirdest thing about Buddy Kennedy, kind of looks like Mike Trout. 
just one yeah. of the strangest things. He's got the trout neck, everything about kind of the shape of his head. It's like, well, how could this person look this much like Mike Trout, the one other Millville big leaguer? But sure enough. So that's a good one. Anyway, Bunny Kennedy had 29 plate appearances this year. For Arizona, that's a good one. We've mentioned Nick Ahmed on here. Again, a guy who'd been with the D-backs forever, ultimately DFA'd when he's his 5'6", the OPS was not good enough. That's one where, hell yeah, he should get a ring. He should be the first one. He should get a ring before any of these guys on the Diamondbacks because this guy has seen it all, and now he, his career might be over. Nabil Krizmat, Mary Krizmat. Nabil Krizmat currently pitching in the Dominican Winter League, watching in between his starts with Lisey to see if he will get a ring for his two innings with the Diamondbacks earlier this season, uh, which is which is really amazing. A good way to, to, to describe Nabil Krizmat, he had fewer pitching appearances than both Jose Herrera and Josh Rojas and, I'm sorry, and Carson Kelly. So that's three position players that pitched more than Nabil Krizmat. But hey, maybe he'll get it. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Sebi Zavala played for this team this year. I did not know that. I believe he's actually, I think he might be with the squad. I think he might be uh, taxi squatting. Um, okay. What about what about Texas? Let's run through a couple of uh, Texas guys. I mean, there are a lot of randos on, on the D-backs, but, but the Rangers, because of their season, like DeGrom is the first one, of course. If this is how DeGrom's getting a ring, and I've made the point, like they went 6-0 in his starts, you know, so like, that's not nothing. He was pretty awesome during his six starts. So I he certainly deserves it. There are not a lot of other guys. Again, I said Ian Kennedy earlier. He threw 16 innings. He's 38. There is a gentleman whose name I did not recognize when I walked into their clubhouse yesterday. A person who I had never I had just never heard these two words together. Uh, Jake Latz. Jake Latz, not, yes. Jake Latz, L-A-T-Z. I usually know all the Jakes. You know, we're in a group chat. I walked in to the clubhouse and it was like, there's DeGrom's locker. There's Scherzer's locker. There's Jake Latz's locker. It's like Jake Latz. But he's around. So he's on the, uh, he's on the 40. That's yeah, he is on the 40 man. So that is an achievement. He, uh, I guess he's, he's like uh, Andrew Saulfrank, zero ERA in his, his uh, six innings of major league work this year. So, but does not, uh, oh, I guess he pitched. Wow. Apparently see, he pitched in 2021 with the Rangers. That talk about no recollection of that. That's for sure. That was only one game. But Jake Latz, that's a good one. I'm sure people. What about Alex? About him. What about Alex Spees? See, Alex Spees is a good one because his his story is is wild. I mean, he was a top draft pick, retired, came back this year throwing 99 after basically becoming a high school coach, and then made the big leagues as a reliever. Command wasn't really there <laughs> to help them out down the stretch, but that's one I would certainly be be happy for. And then just to mention, uh, you know, the, the emailer, you know, mentioning Cole Reagans, you know, Cole Reagans, who is now just an ace with Kansas City, uh, but and he pitched in 17 games and had a six ERA before he was traded for Raldis Chapman. And it's weird though because it's like it would make more sense if Raldis Chapman was any good, <laughs> but instead he's like watching him almost you know, derail the Rangers' hopes at a World Series. But I'll be happy for Cole Reagans because um, might as well happen now. Who knows what would happen with the Royals? That's uh, it. All right, Podcast over. Podcast over. Thank you all for listening. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode. Uh, we, we went in some interesting directions here. Uh, this was a fun one. I hope you all enjoyed it. Enjoy game three. We will be back uh, recording uh, likely late after game three. You can hear our game three recap on Tuesday morning. But until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jake Mintz. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Blood, sweat, tears. Serious XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.